first day of the week like we do every week. We don't know what God's going to do. So this morning, we're just going to pray that God's going to do what needs to be done in, in your life. And we don't really know what that is because we're all coming from a different place, different experiences, different backgrounds, different week. So here's the one thing I do know, that our God, he offers a living hope, a living hope. Not one that's dead, not one that stayed in the tomb, but a living hope so that we can live in hope. As the Apostle Peter starts off and writes this letter, he titles it to uh, the exiled and the elect. Those who have been uh, run off because of persecution, but even though they're exiled, they're outside of their normal place, their comfort zone, they have been chosen. They're they're the elect. And if you really think about it, some 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years later, we are that people. We are exiled. We're living in a broken world that God didn't intend for us to live in. We're exiled, but we're also chosen. We are God's exiled elect. We are his chosen, living in a broken world, in a broken time, and struggling through day to day, just trying to say, okay, what's next, God? Where are we going? How do we get there? What's this supposed to be like? And what Peter does for those exiles is he says, right here, I want to give you something. I want to give you some hope. Because a lot of times in this life, things seem hopeless. Things, things seem like they're struggling. And as follower. Of Jesus, we are God's chosen. He opens this letter reminding us of God's grace, of God's mercy. And he offers us, he offers us hope in a hopeless world. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The Apostle Peter here gives us a very clear picture that without Jesus we have no hope. And God has done this according to his great mercy. That tells us that he didn't have to. He chose to. You know, there's things in this life we have to do, isn't there? You, you, you just can't get by without doing certain things. But there's also things that you choose to do. And the things that you choose to do are typically, I don't know if y'all have noticed this or not, but, but I have. The things that I choose to do are typically more enjoyable <laughs> than the things that I have to do. Now, I even try to convince myself, and I say this a lot, of I don't have to do that, I get to do that. Maybe I'll smile while I'm doing it. But I, what I've found is the things that I choose to do typically bring more joy. God chose. He chose to invite you in to be a part of his family at a very, very high price. At a very high price. But he still chose you. 
I go back to my elementary school days at Chicopin Elementary School, and we're out there. Yeah, there we go. We're out there on the on the playground, and there's this big giant rubber ball that it's getting ready to be rolled down the field, and somebody's going to kick it. But who gets chosen first? I was never chosen first. God chose me first. God chose you first. Who was chosen last? Raise your hand. There we go. You're no longer last. God chose you first. According to his great mercy, he didn't have to, but he chose to. But according to his great mercy, here's what he did. If you read on in that passage, offered you this invitation to be born again. Now this is John chapter 3. You're very familiar with that, I'm sure. John 3.16, we all know that when we've heard it, seen it up on the signs at ball games. John 3.16, this is a conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Jesus is trying to convince or, or have a conversation to say, hey, Nicodemus, this isn't about physical things. This is spiritual. If you want to inherit, if you want to have eternal life, because that's the question Nicodemus asks, you have to be born again. Nicodemus says, well, how can a grown man enter again into his mother's womb to be born again? He couldn't get past the physical side of things. And I think within the church, a lot of times, that's where we get caught up too. It's the physical side of things we have to do, have to do. What do you have to do? And that's the question Nicodemus asks. What do I have to do in order to inherit eternal life? Not, what's the invitation for me to be a part of something that is eternal? Not, what do I get to do because I have eternal life, because we get it backwards. What do I have to do? And we can make a list, couldn't we? Most of us, if we're honest, most of us already have a list. I have to go to church at least twice a month. Let's be honest. I have to put some money in the offering plate. doesn't have to be 10%. Just got to put something in there. I, I have to be friendly to people who are friendly to me. It's a little iffy whether or not I have to be friendly to the unfriendly people. But most of us have a list of what we have to do, and we miss this invitation of, hey, God wants you to be totally born again, different person. That's the starting point. That's the other thing we get along, wrong a lot of times of, hey, I'm going to invite Jesus into my life and our tradition of faith. We're going to enter into the water. We're going to be immersed into Christ through Christian baptism. We're going to step out, and it's like, woohoo, we're finished. No, we just got started. We just got started. The journey begins with Jesus. Now, he's strong enough to carry us through to the finish. But we have to be born again. It's not the physical things. It's the spiritual life. It's being transformed by rebirth. He also talks about this inheritance that we're going to receive when we are born again. And that inheritance, he gives us four, really four words here. And I want you, I hope you really understand what Jesus is offering here. He says, this inheritance, this inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's secure. Now, y'all know me. I've been in ministry pretty much my entire adult life. My kids aren't going to get a whole lot. Sorry, Mom. My, ki my kids, inheritance, 
Yeah. They're really not going to get much. But my heavenly father, he offers an inheritance that is immeasurable, imperishable, unfading, undefiled, and it's secure. I can't lose it unless I choose to give it away. Man, do you understand what God's offering? You know, as you walk through this life, there's struggles, there's pain, there's issues. It's broken. And what God's saying is, I have an inheritance that does away with all of that for eternity. Not just for the moment, but for eternity. And because of that, we should live a life that is filled with joy. Filled with rejoicing. Most popular song in the world is what? There we go. Right off the bat. Now, a lot of times, I mean, you think something by the Beatles, Amazing Grace, um, Free Bird. Here in East Tennessee, Rocky Top. But, but in all actuality, the song that's sung more than any other song is Happy Birthday. We celebrate life, don't we? We celebrate the fact that somebody was born, think about it, into a temporary life that is in a broken world. How much more should we celebrate and rejoice that God offers us an inheritance that is eternal? That we should celebrate and rejoice when somebody is reborn, when we come to the fact and the knowledge and the understanding that we have an imperishable, unfailing, undefiled, secure inheritance, salvation in Christ Jesus. There should be a response. A lot of times in the church, I don't think we understand because sometimes our faces just aren't showing the joy that's in our hearts. Sometimes we just look mad about being here. But God says, this should be, I, I love, and we use this verse a lot when I was in youth ministry, verse 15 and 16, I'm going to skip a little bit here, this phrase, inexpressible joy. Uh, back in the day, uh, in, in youth ministry, we had this logo. Anybody remember the logo? It was this little dude, uh, and he was kind of in this shape. He had really cool hiking boots on, and his hair flipped up. Uh, we called him the dancing dude. And every time Papa Ridge Student Ministry did something, the dancing dude was on everything. Uh, pretty much my entire wardrobe was dancing dude, uh, all, everything. I still have a big wooden dancing dude at my house in my garage uh, that I just kept. Uh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but the whole idea behind the dancing dude, and th really, this was it. This was the dancing dude, was verse 15 and 16. Though you do not see him, you love him, speaking of Jesus. And though you do not see him right now, you still believe in him through faith, and you love him, and you are filled with what? Inexpressible joy. Not just joy, but, but a joy that just I don't know how to, I, what I, I can't explain it. It's inexpressible. 
There's been very few times in my life that I have felt that. But there's been a few. Most of them surround my family. Seeing my wife in her wedding dress for the first time, I don't, don't know how to express that. My children being born. But there's very few things that compare. There's very few ways for me to understand how I should feel when I come to the understanding that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, willingly to die on the cross so that he could pay for my sins and offer me an imperishable, undefiled, unfading, secure, eternal life. And there should be a response for that. And it should be joy, inexpressible joy. And it's that fact that we should live with hope. Now, in this world, Jesus says this very clearly, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, there will be problems. There will be pain. And because of that, living hope requires, it demands perseverance. Because you're going to have problems. Raise your hand if you've had them. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Financial problems. Anybody ever been at the end of the month and you were already at the end of your money long before you got to the end of the month? Yeah. Anybody ever raised a teenager that didn't want to be raised? Yeah. Illness, disease, and and struggle of, I, I don't know, or the loss of somebody that you leaned on in hard times. In this world, you will have struggle. And if we're going to live hope, it demands perseverance. One of my favorite stories, and I've used it a couple times. I actually had to ask my wife last night if I've used it up here recently. Is about a marathon runner. He's from a small country in Africa, and he was chosen by his country to go to go run in the Olympics. And in all actuality, even though he was from a small country, he was pretty good. He had a shot at finishing top 10. And maybe if he had a good day, he'd end up on the podium and get an Olympic medal. His training went flawless, without a problem. No hitches whatsoever. Race day, he'd gotten a good night's sleep. He felt great. And as he got onto the starting line, this was his time. He's ready. The gun goes off, and so does he. First few miles are great. He runs through him. He's in that lead pack, but at about mile five, he begins to realize that something just isn't right, and he starts falling back. Mile seven and eight were really tough, and he lost even more ground. At this point, he can't even see the lead pack, and that middle pack is starting to pull away. As he goes into mile 10, 11, and 12, he's barely running. It's more kind of like a limp jog, maybe. By the time he gets toward the last five miles of the race, he can't even see any other runners. And the officials are really worried about his health. They need to get him off the course. He's doing damage, maybe even permanent damage to his body by continuing. So they begin to say, hey, you, you need to stop, and he continues to move forward step by step and says, no, I'm not stopping, I'm not stopping. That lead pack is already in the stadium, but he's so far back, he can't hear the cheers from the stadium for the winners. 
and he keeps moving forward, one step in front of the other, no matter how slow, but still continues to move forward. Actually, everybody has finished this, and the stadium's beginning to empty before he can even see the stadium. There's hardly anybody left when he enters into the stadium to make that one lap around the track to finish the race, but still he keeps moving forward. You need to stop. That's what the officials are saying. Slowly, almost at a crawl, he finishes, crosses the line. They immediately pick him up, rush him to the medical tent, and start trying to get him fixed and rehydrated and make sure that he's okay. And in that process, somebody asks him, why didn't you just stop? You, you weren't going to place. You weren't going to win. You're just hurt. Why didn't you just quit? This was his response, and I love this response. He said, my country did not choose me and send me to the Olympics to start the race. My country chose me, and they sent me to the Olympics to finish the race. Paul tells the church something very similar. I have finished the race. If we're going to live with hope, there's going to be times just like that runner where we're going to stumble, where we're going to cramp, where things aren't going to feel good, where things aren't going to be good. But God has not called us to start the race. God doesn't give us this living hope so that we can begin a journey with him. He gives it to us so we can finish the race. The Apostle Paul, I have finished the race. And in order to do that, living hope requires perseverance. Verse 8 and 9 tells us, we talked about this, that it requires love. Not just love for those people who are lovable, but also for those who aren't. Not just love when times are good, but also that we are a people of love when times aren't good. In order to do that, we've got to know our destination. We've got to know who holds our eternity we're going to know who loves us. I used to ask my kids this question all the time. Who loves you? Daddy does. Who loves you? Your Heavenly Father does. More so than anyone else. More than you will ever know. Really to the point that put this together, it reads like this, according to his great mercy, you can be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to receive an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and secure, living in hope that brings rejoicing even in times that require perseverance because God loves you because God loves you. So this morning, what's our response to that? Let me read it again. According to his great mercy, we can be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to receive an inheritance 
that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and secure. Living with hope that brings rejoicing even when perseverance is required. It should make us be a little different. It should make us stand out a little. The church word for that is holy. It should make us want to be holy. Here's a struggle. A lot of times we get this backwards. When I become holy, I can have living hope instead of, hey, I'm going to accept Jesus, get living hope, and then transformation's going to start. I worked with a young man a long, long time ago in youth ministry, and he would tell me all the time, Brad, when I quit doing this, I'm going to become a Christian. When I stop this, I'm going to, I'm going to start following Jesus. When I quit fooling around with, then I'm going to get serious about my faith. And I'm like, dude, you got it all backwards. You got it all backwards. Come to Jesus. Understand living hope and then let him transform you. Let him move you. Let him change you. See, holiness doesn't just happen because we decide for it to happen. We call that behavior modification. How many of us have a puppy or a dog? Kendall, yeah, we have to train the dog, don't we? Sit, roll over, here's where I want you to go to the bathroom, here's where I don't want you to go to the bathroom, and what happens? Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But all it is is behavior modification. And a lot of times what we do in the church world, it's like, be good, just be, be good. Modify your behavior. God doesn't require us to modify our behavior in order to come to him. That's backwards. We come to him and let him transform our behavior. Are we going to mess up? Absolutely. Sometimes it's unintentional. I didn't mean to do that. Sometimes it's like, I hope I don't get caught doing that. And it's intentional. That's where grace comes in. Imperishable, unfading, undefiled, secure. The price has been paid for those times when we mess up. God gives us a living hope, and he calls us in verse 15 and 16 with this. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is what God's called us to do. That our character, who we are, comes in front of our conduct. Why? Because He has called us into this living hope, an inheritance that is imperishable fading, undefiled, and secure, even in the midst of struggle. When perseverance is needed, he never abandons. He never turns his back on us. He's always there. You may be here this morning, 
and you don't know that living hope. I don't. I, I come to church, but I don't really know Jesus. I've been on both sides of that. Been far away from Jesus. That's not a very good brand. I've been close to Jesus. That's a much better brand. The best version of you is as close to Jesus as you can be. As close to him as you can be. That's where you find the best you. And if you don't know him, we want to introduce you to him this morning. We want to make sure before you go out into this broken world and you face the enemies out there that you know who's on your side. Because reality is, Satan in this world waits just to attack us. Just to throw something in the way. Just to make us stumble. And once he gets us to stumble and he gets us down, he's going to kick us while we're down. Is the prince of lies. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, the Bible is clear about there is an enemy. Paul actually says, for we wrestle or fight not against the powers of this world. Do you know who's on your side? Because you're going to face struggle. And if you don't have Jesus on your side, there is no hope. Because it's only found in Him. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, we want to introduce you to Him. As we kick off this series, we just want to make this invitation very clear throughout the whole thing. We want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a feeling, though, most of us in here know Jesus. And we probably feel in this other category. I'm just struggling. Sometimes things are tough. God offers living hope. He is living hope so that we can know Him. So this morning as we sing one more song, we offer up a time of worship. We also want this to be a time of reflection for you. Maybe during this song you just need to sit and have some time with Jesus. God, here's what's going on in my life. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I need some help. Here's where I need some clear direction because I don't know what my future holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds for me. I mean, I got plans, but I might not make it that far. That's the reality. I know what eternity holds for me. That's free. That's exciting. Because tomorrow can look a whole lot different because I know where eternity is going struggling through some issues where you're not really sure about that don't leave unsure